you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. As regular listeners of the podcast know, I try to keep the show as much as possible to be about Manitoba, Manitoba artists, Manitoba people involved in the Manitoba music scene. And then I throw this word out called Manitoba adjacent, which is really kind of my opportunity to invite anyone I really want on the podcast and try to force them in, even if they don't necessarily fit. Uh, so the guest on this show, I guess I can maybe sort of argue is Manitoba adjacent in the sense that he's living a couple provinces away from Manitoba. <laughs> but um, I was on a podcast uh, last year which seems weird to say because it doesn't seem like that long ago. But it was on a podcast um, called a Ch- Checkered Past, which is uh, about a topic that is really near and dear to my heart, as most people who have known me for a long time know. And uh, I got a chance to talk about Ska and talk about one of my favorite local bands on that podcast. So I guess I'm kind of returning the favor now <laughs> by having you on the show. And I think that the best way to start this off is if you want to just introduce yourself and give a bit of background about the podcast, and, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Uh, I'm Rob Piquette. I'm the host of Checkered Past, the Scodcast, which is a Edmonton-based ska history podcast. Super lighthearted, goofy nonsense. We are probably the only ska podcast in Canada, I think, at this point. But maybe one of maybe 12 in the world. So, you know, odds are still good. (laughs) (laughs) You're still getting listens. Yeah, yeah. Because there's uh, not Ah, a lot out there for for the ska fans. Yeah. And I guess, like, I mean, that's sort of what I wanted to start with is... uh, I was in a ska band back in the day. I talk about it incessantly. But, I mean, like, I know why I like it. I know why there's certain bands from that era that I still listen to all the time and that still mean a lot to me. Um, what is What was the introduction to that stuff for you, and why is it meaningful enough to you that you decided to do this whole history podcast about it? Yeah, like, ska was a huge deal for me when I was growing up in St. Paul, which is a small town in northeastern Alberta. Uh, it's a town of like 5,000 people. It's built around a church. So when it came to like alternative music, there wasn't a lot of options. And I was kind of an outcast kid. So I didn't really fit in with the country music scene right. that was up there. Um, and so I just was like, I don't I don't even know if I liked music until I heard mu- like punk rock CDs and stuff that my friends at the record store I uh, worked at were yeah. showing me. But like the real big intro was a video game, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Which I, that's such a like classic like millennial entry point for ska music for so many people. Well, before you and, go any further on that, actually, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that so many times before, and I am not <laughs> a video gamer at all, like at all, at all. I I, I yeah. grew up playing Atari twenty six hundred, and like by the time I moved on to Nintendo, everyone else was like three or four systems ahead of me, so I I, <laughs> I never got into it, and so I never played that game, and I heard 
Goldfinger, which is kind of the main entry point, I think, for a lot of people, is Superman yeah. on that on that game. And I heard yeah. it just through however I heard it. I mean, I had their other CD, and I guess I... It doesn't matter. I, I discovered them somehow. And then years later, I kept hearing all these people saying, oh, it's a song from the game. And I didn't even know at that point that video games had real songs. Like, I thought it was just, like, shitty kind of MIDI uh, sound effects, you know? And so it's, it's cool that that's an entry point, because it's so alien to me uh, in my experience of... of being a music fan. And and that's connected because it was one of those first games that had a live soundtrack, okay. right? And so and it wasn't just that. It was a lot of punk rock and uh, like the Suicide Machines were on there, Bad Religion, and there's also um, like that Public Enemy Anthrax. Yeah, uh, yeah, Bring the Noise. Yeah. Song. yeah, and it, like, oh, and then Power Man 5000. Like it just had a lot of like kind of like what at the time 99 would have been not that cool on the radio but was super cool off the radio right so like if you were into skateboarding obviously but like you're just like it kind of opened your eyes if you were oh, how old was i 13 12 um like that was it like from there it was like i couldn't look back and goldfinger like that superman song i drove to edmonton for whatever reason and i had to stop at hmv yeah. in the west edmonton mall and I ran to the punk section, I grabbed hangups, and I grabbed a Millen Collins CD, and it was the first CDs I ever bought with my own money. Cool. And it wasn't until later that I knew it was ska. Like, at the time, I was just like, oh, this is cool, and it's got, like, horns in it. Like, that's that's awesome, and it's so fast. Yeah. Like, this is really neat. And then it wasn't until, like, somebody later was like, oh, that's ska, and I was like, all right, There's now the wheels are it. turning. <laughs> There's a name for it. I can keep looking. And really, the first entry point for me with a lot of bands were just like what I would qualify as horn punk bands like sure. ska. So I was just like, okay, it's fast and it has horns. And then that's when you go back and you keep going backwards and backwards through history. And I was nerdy enough and whatever, like bored enough yeah. to just go down the rabbit hole as far as it would take me. So I had LimeWire and Kaza, those streaming <laughs> yeah, yeah. peer-to-peer things. I, pre- I think I just put ska in the search bar and just whatever came up was good. And then Amazon List Mania was like another kind of thing at the time in like the early 2000s. I don't even know that one. I've never even heard of that one. So when Amazon was first doing like music yeah. um, after they were a bookstore <laughs> is uh, they would have this thing called List Mania, which is where people would put in essentially playlists, but like playlists of albums. So okay. you go on there and it'd be like the worst ska of all time. And it would be like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and No Doubt. And like, you know, just kind of being tongue in cheek sure. silly about it sure. or maybe serious. I don't know. <laughs> It worked enough on me for me to go and listen to the music. <laughs> and um, so obviously Third Wave was like huge. And then after that, it was the Planet Smashers mm-hmm. uh, was like where I found out, oh, it happened in Canada. Yeah, we had like our own thing. Yeah, yeah. Foreign yeah. For years, it was like this foreign American, British, Jamaican thing. Yeah. And like definitely was never anywhere near St. Paul, Alberta. Like absolutely not. And then then I got into like Stomp Records and that was such a huge deal. Like everything off Stomp was a big deal. If yeah. it came out on Stomp Records, I was finding my way to get my hands on it legally or illegally. It didn't matter. For um, sure. And I, I remember the era too. <laughs> and it, it kind of helped, I think, being in Winnipeg that we had two bands on Stomp. We had Whole Lot of Milka and we had JFK and the Conspirators. And that was um, kind of, I got introduced to the label that way because it was like, oh, these two local bands I like. They got these records on this label from Montreal, and then yeah, every other band on there turned out to be awesome. I mean, at the time, anyway, for sure, there was like this. It was the sign of quality, and I think that a lot of people across the country sort of dug in to the genre through those stomp, uh, through stomp releases. Yeah, I mean, 
Al's Diner by Whole Lot of Milk is like one of my all time favorites. Yeah. And like, I mean, this may be for like a later topic, but we could talk about like the like when I moved to Edmonton in 2005, that's when I started getting in. Like, I think I heard the Barrymore's and okay. Afterbeat at that time, which are these bacteria buffet yep. from Winnipeg. And then that label, like at the heyday, 2002 to 2007, I was kind of right in there, not enough to get to Winnipeg to listen to it, which would have been sweet. Yeah. But if they toured through Edmonton, I was there. And we had a record label in Edmonton, um, Free Cloud Records, which was formed by Mad Bomber Society that carried tons of Canadian stuff, oh, cool. Scott or otherwise. And uh, yeah, like I would go in there and just ask like Rich or whoever was there and just say, hey, what's new? What cool. came out of Canada? Cool. And you had to have some, and a lot of the time, at that time it was Winnipeg. Like that was, I don't know, the third biggest cost scene in Canada. Which is weird like, to think about because we're just, you know, so this weird. little prairie town. But um, what I kind of wanted to get to is, is I mean, that I think our eras overlapped a little bit. I'm a few years older than you. And, um, you know, I was going to ska shows in like late 90s, early 2000s. And then by the time kind of the, the, the mid to late 2000s, I'd sort of dropped out of it. I had used ska as a springboard to get deeply into reggae. And I never left that those depths really. I mean, I still have the ska bands that I've always liked, but that was the, the thing, and I've been obsessed with that pretty much forever. But um, ska has uh, unwarranted, but it has a it had a negative reputation after kind of the initial third wave boom. And it seems like, um, and this is sort of where you guys come in too, where it seems like there's been this renaissance suddenly almost. I know it never died, and I know that we could talk about bands that have been around through that entire period of, of like the dead zone <laughs> for Ska in terms of large-scale popularity. The Dark Ages. The Dark Ages, right, the dark right, ages. right. Yeah. right. <laughs> but it seems like there's been very recently with the release of um, that uh, In Defense of Ska book, and there's all these podcasts coming out, including yours, and it seems like suddenly Ska isn't a bad word anymore, and people who have always loved it are kind of not ashamed anymore to say, that they were fans and they are fans and they've always been fans. What do you think has kind of caused the uh, cultural turnaround? Is it just that the younger generation doesn't have that, that shame <laughs> associated yeah. with like Hawaiian shirts and shitty hats and like, you know, punk with horns plaid plaid. Uh, the uh, it's a mix of things. And I think you touched on it too. Like, like the impetus of the podcast is to take the kind of the stigma out of it, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're super goofy and lighthearted, but we're so genuine. Like I think that's what, and I, it's like such an important factor in the ska scene right now is is authenticity and being sure. genuine. Whether that means being a big goofball or super serious, because there's both arms of that, right? But I think you touched on it a little bit. Like when you look at the new fans who start to like listen to our podcast or listen to these new groups, they're so much younger, right? Like. I don't know, early 20s. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who are gender fluid and queer, and they're really getting into a lot of these newer bands because it's like the it, the whole idea of ska from like the two-tone era forward is that it's all-inclusive. Totally. And maybe there's a lot of problematic, maybe it's, there's definitely a lot of problematic stuff back out there. Like you can listen to that real big fish song about uh like chopping his dick off or whatever i'm sorry i don't know if i can say it on the pod there's, but, you can say whatever you want uh, but there's a, there's a few real big fish songs that that have yeah. uh, some questionable yeah yeah but you know like that kind of stuff is a little okay we can get past that because like now people are just taking the good things and making it their own like now that you know we are the union and scottoon network all these people are just like really putting their heart on their sleeve and it's such a huge change of pace from being 
like terrified of it yeah. before. Like you'd have to be just like, I'm a this, but I'm a ska band on the side. Streetlight Manifesto is a band that's been around for a long time. They've specifically shied away from it. Like the Mad Caddies are another one who are like now, oh, we're just, we call ourselves punk rock steady or something. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're doing everything in your power to not say the the three letter word. <laughs> um, but now everybody's just out and out, out and proud about it. And it's awesome. And I also think that part of it was the pandemic. Yeah. Made it like so much easier for people to start to find the things that they really enjoy. And it just created more movement together, sure. right? And I think ska bands really thrive on live music. I mean, I, th- I don't think that's too far out there to say that. No, I don't Because it's so, no. such a, like, everybody's, like, you know, jumping off railings and stuff and having the best time of their life. And, like, they had to channel that energy somehow. And they channeled it in a really creative way, putting out music. There's bands that are formed. Like, there's a band that we interviewed on the podcast called The Third Rates that are from three different states in the U.S. Cool. And who almost had a drummer from Korea on because they're just like, we're going to start a band. We don't care where people are from. And they're blowing up. Um, You know, uh, the other thing, too, was I think a a, a real linchpin moment, aside from Scott 2 Network, which we can talk about on its own, but Bad Operation released uh, an album late last year, or sorry, the year before. Okay. Um, They're self-titled. And they dubbed it New Tone. They put a they put a name to it. Right. And this whole New Tone like thing was we are taking the politics of your your two tone bands or you know even your third wave bands. There's a Some lot of the politics yeah. in there. Like yeah, you'd, even the Boston's were like hyper political. Like that was just a big part of their their deal. And um, they just said we're taking it from the back and we're putting it up to the front. And it woke up this like social consciousness in the music. And now people also had a name for it. And so all these groups are coming out and whether or not they subscribe to that, you know, genre, which is this mix of two tone rock steady emo emo is like a huge, like part of it now. And your bands like flying raccoon suit, like we are the union obviously is, is so big. And, but even like Eichler's is out there and he's mixing in hyper pop music. Yeah. Like I think it, what it did is it gave people the um, ability to say there this is a fluid genre that we can do whatever we want with and you can really put your own brand and stamp on it. And now you know, sky's the limit it feels like. It feels like anybody can come up with a new idea and it's fresh and original. I kind of like that. I mean, a lot of the bands that are coming out now they're not necessarily my style of ska that I grew up listening to or that I even I'm really that interested in, but I like seeing it happen and I like seeing kids who are, you know, not that far, not that much older than my own kids, really, like these teenagers and stuff, who are doing something totally creative with this genre that everyone thought was dead, and that, you know, I mean, our generation recreated too, and the, you know, two-tone generation recreated as well, and so it definitely is something that um, has gone through so many changes, and it's nice to see uh, something organically come up rather than it being forced through, you know, um, trying to sell a hit single or something. Yeah, and I mean... I think the cool thing is that nobody thinks that's going to happen. No, it like, won't. Yeah. yeah. And they're they're dismissive of the idea of fourth wave. Like, that's just... Some people will say that kind of, like, jokingly, but it's really this idea that we know, like, as a, as a community, if you will, that this is not for the radio. No. We're not making this... Like, I'm not doing this podcast to, like, <laughs> get on a bunch of, like, whatever major... Like, I'm not going to be the Joe Rogan experience. You know what I mean? Like, it's niche. We know it's niche. But that's what makes it fun and interesting yeah. is and and the support network is 
outrageously good. I've never been a part of something so inclusive. Edmonton has nothing for a ska scene, right? We've had a few bands come up. I had a crappy band. There was like, you know, five really decent ones since I've been here. Yeah. Maybe maybe more that I just never heard of, but and the scene is just it's it's not inclusive, right? They'll go out to see the odd band that comes through Planet Smashers usually, honestly. They come through a lot. Less like less than Jake, like uh, if they're skate punky kind of adjacent. Yeah, there's a crowd for that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge crowd for that, right? It's just like me and Celine, my co-host and sister, we always talk about what's like an Edmonton ska band that will come through, like that everybody goes to, like how Pennywise is like the biggest punk band out here. Like, you know, it's just a certain type of thing and it feels restricted. And I also think that that's because here, because I feel like the punk scene has to include everybody, but also be separate. And so that just creates like everyone's at the same place, but a lot of tension. And so for us being able to just log on to Twitter or Instagram, put out our dumb podcast and people are like, Hey, that's funny. Hey, that's cool. What you did. Hey, I learned something. And we're like, geez, it's not my mom (laughs) listening to this. Like I can't believe other people are actually taking a listen and being supportive and being positive. That's, that's what it's all about. Well, I think that uh, I agree with you. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I've seen Scott Twitter, being like this this thing, this community of people who are talking about this music. But I think maybe part of the reason that it's worked so well in recent years is because, like you said, the pandemic is probably a, a big big uh, contributor, but just the way people consume music now and that it's much easier to kind of um, stick with a certain style of stuff you like and you can just go so deep into it and you're not necessarily influenced by what's on the radio because you don't have to listen to the radio anymore. I mean, like, you know, when, when during the third wave ska was so huge because everyone was being exposed to it and that kind of contributed to the, the its downfall really because it was overexposed and there were too many bands trying to you know hijack that sound because it was making money but now that's not an issue you know the ska bands live in this corner of the internet and if you feel like joining it you can pop in there and say hello and listen and there's no sort of fear of it becoming this big thing that's out of everyone's control it's i think that there's so many genres of music now where you can find your your people you know and you can and you can just live there if you want and you were free to go wherever you want rather than just being here's the music that's being fed to everyone because the way we consume it is so different now i agree like i think oh, i'm trying to remember what that genre of mu- chill chill wave is that what it was what was the like there's a genre of music that came out a few years ago that the whole idea was supposed to be like based on old refrigerators and like 90s style computer graphics and they made like music t- to that kind of aesthetic and it was just the most bananas idea for like people to make music about it's electronic music yeah and all of a sudden it was like a genre like there were so many like band like like well DJs coming out and then people making artwork yeah and it just became this huge thing on the internet i guess you can say soundcloud rap is another kind of for sure adjacent thing to that for sure and i think it, it blew the doors off like traditional genre humping like like all of a sudden anything could be a genre and it will have an audience so long as there's i don't know competency to the marketing of it or getting an audience like you get three people they get three people they get yeah. three people and they all start following you and it's done and thank the idea of algorithms because it will feed more stuff to you that's right yeah. like like spotify isn't going to recommend that you listen to drake 
if all you're listening to is less than Jake, right? Right. Like, it's going to say, oh, I can tell you like this. So here's some more stuff that's like that that you will also like. And because there's that dopamine hit all the time of new music that you can get that feels personalized. Yeah. And it gets, honestly, like, say what you will about these big evil corporations that make these <laughs> uh, technologies that we all enjoy. But um, it's only been getting better with time. Like, I feel well, like they learn, right? I, it learns from, it from learns. users. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it, that's how people get discovered, too. Like, it doesn't take millions of listens for you to get on those algorithms. Right. And then you just get thrown at people who potentially are going to really dig what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What um, why, why podcasting? I mean, I've been doing this for a billion years now, <laughs> it seems like. And, um, you know, I have a background in journalism. That's what I do for my day job. Uh, interviewing people is something I, I just have a lot of experience doing. I enjoy doing. Um, but, I mean, your show, it started off as just kind of a conversation thing between the two of you. And then you gradually introduce the interviews and now that's kind of, you're kind of a full-on interview podcast i know you have games and you have like you know some funny stuff happening as well in sort of segments but how did you decide to jump into the interviews because that's not something that that a lot of people are super comfortable doing yeah so when we started this podcast um like it was kind of just like this lark almost like we're just like hey there isn't anything like this really where people are just because like the format of the or the the idea of it is that we pick a band run through its history yeah. and talk about its discography, right? That's that's always been the, the DNA of the podcast. When we started it, we're like, oh, this is just going to be fun. We're going to get to talk about the stuff we like. And it was that thing where all of a sudden, like after our first episode, people started like correcting us and stuff. And like, <laughs> you know, being like, hey, I, oh, the first episode was about safe Ferris. And there's these people who are like, we disagree or we're from the OC and that's not how it is. And, yeah. you know, we got all this stuff. Where we're like, oh, I didn't think like this is just a goofy thing that me and my sister started <laughs> and it started to pick up more steam. We did a, a two-parter about the band five iron frenzy that the band like reached out to us and was like, Hey, just want to let you know, we love the show. Cool. This episode was amazing. Like we're so thrilled that you're doing this. We agree with what you're saying. Cause we did a bunch of stuff about religion and um, it was uh, at that point we were like, Oh, okay. So this is not just like a hobby. It is, but it's like maybe we could take it just like one step more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we just started to um there's a there's another podcast, Scott Punk International, that's out of Texas. Um, and Chris, the the guy who 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 runs that, he just uh he posted something one day where he was like, Hey, have you taken your shot today? Like yeah. it's like it's it's just as easy as reaching out. And we we're like, Well, we kinda want guests, so what would happen if I reached out to a few bands and I reached out to five bands and four said yes. Nice. And I was like, oh, like this will work. Actually, we could do this. Yeah. And I used to work for uh, a couple um, zines in Edmonton. I used to work for Punk TV and the Metal Observer of uh, Metal Observers in Calgary, but I was up here. Okay. And so I've interviewed bands before and like done a couple of those things. So I, I kind of got it. But I also knew that, you know, it would be fun. Like this would sure, be. Yeah. yeah scary right and so well you get um, to hang out with bands you yeah. like that and talk about yeah. something you're all big fans of right exactly like this is it'd be totally different like when i was working for i don't know punk tv it'd be like oh no uh, every time i die is coming and i'm like oh great i gotta talk to a hardcore band i don't like like <laughs> I, I don't think that was the band but it would be something like that yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. i have to act like i'm interested in their their little thing that they do <laughs> but now i'm proactively reaching out and, and talking to bands and and that's the cool thing too is because we get them to pick the band. So like when we 
when we asked you and you said yes, it was a thrill. And you said we should do JFK, and yeah. like we we're just so excited to talk about it. And everybody in the room is excited to talk about it. And well, and then when I went to JFK, energy. JFK listened to it and he gave me some feedback yeah. to pass on to you guys, right? So it's yeah. cool. Yeah, people are it's hearing. Cool. It. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's what's fun. Like it's nice to like we say nerd out, but it's it's just great to talk to people about their passion about something they like yeah we did an episode with somebody who who talked to the when we talked about an eichler's to talk about no doubt yeah he didn't like no doubt but there was something fun about that too like and no doubt can we can take the piss out of them a little bit sure we're not too scared to be just like hey you know what they're not that great <laughs> unless you think i don't think they're going to be too worried about some podcasts they're everything. not concerned yeah. about yeah. it yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not hurting album sales and, yeah. and royalty checks so that's fine but for the most part, we bring on people to have a good time, and that's. I hope that comes through in our in our final product is that, that this is fun, yeah, and that think, we're having a good time. I think it does, and I think that's why I first sort of started listening to it. I I don't even know how I found you randomly, looking for podcasts. I think, and then it's oh a Scott podcast. Oh, it's from Canada. You know, this is going to be cool. And yeah, it was initially like even before you had guests, I listened to a few of them, and it was fun. Like you you know you goofing around about how many horn players a band has with that your segment there and stuff, and like it's entertaining because I think that there's so many overly serious music podcasts and I might be one of them. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here doing long form interviews with people and there's no games and there's no kind of, you know, goofy shit happening for the most part. But I mean, not everything has to be that, right? There's a, there's a place in this wild west of podcasting for every weird little subgenre of show and every way people want to present it. And that's the best thing about the whole DIY nature of it. I think is that you can do what I'm doing. You can do what you're doing. You can come up with some completely different option and we can all be talking about essentially the same thing but just presenting it in a way that works for us and i think that um it's what i like about the indie podcast scene in general i i agree with that too and i I love what you said about like how it can get a little serious on the music interview stuff like there are ska podcasts out there i don't I'm not doing this to throw them under the bus, but Horn Pod is like yeah. a, a I've listened to a bunch serious. of those, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and those guys are smart. Holy. They do their like, research, they, for sure. Yeah. They do their research. Like, I do research a, a, quite a bit for my free time, but they spend hours, yeah. and they're in the scene, and they know their stuff, and that's why people go to them. Is like basically like an encyclopedia. Like they did that whole thing about the Slack. That was great. Like, that was a great oh, series, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was an, unreal. They did such a great job. And like, we're not going to compete with that. Um, you don't, you don't have to, though. you don't have to, I don't have to, yeah. but it is funny because sometimes people come to us and they're just like, uh, oh, like most music podcasts are, are serious, but you, you don't seem that serious. And that could turn people off if that's what they're expecting. Right. But it's fine. Cause I'm, I'm glad that people stick around. Like the podcasts I listen to in my free time are usually more lighthearted. Um, I like, I, I started listening to comedy bang bang and okay. like, uh, like a year after they started. So I've been listening to podcasts for like over a decade at this point. Yeah. And I just always liked that element of podcasting where it is like the wild west and where like a sense of humor can be really expressed in like the most like ludicrous way. Like it could be just like, we just spit puns for yeah. hours. Basically that's the podcast. Like I'm basically sitting there. Well, the I've title of the podcast is a pun. It's a pun. It's two puns. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> it's just, so, I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm listening to the interview, but secretly there's a third of my brain that's sitting there and just like, where can I stick a pun into this? Yeah. I'm sure it's coming up. 
and the puns are like it hurts to listen to them but it's entertaining like you know what i mean like i i, I enjoy them but i also hate them because i i can kind of you can kind of hear them coming you know on your show and it's like there's a bit of a pause and it's like oh he's gonna do another pun and there it is yeah but but i mean that kind of goes along with the whole perception of ska as being a fun like just you know ridiculous thing i mean it's not there's so much seriousness involved too in all the different iterations but there's that kind of goofiness that's inherent to it i think um that especially lately and i'm hoping it makes it accessible like that's the other thing in an ideal scenario where the podcast that people can listen to if they're not ska fans right like partially that's what i want is for people to like come and listen to us learn something new maybe hear a band they like and go out and check it out themselves and maybe like take down some of the walls about ska music that may have pre-existed right um because i don't and i mean we're guilty of it of course by getting too in the weeds about stuff or dropping too much terminology and and some like back references that maybe people don't get you can't can't help yourself with that though you can't really yeah it's kind of part of it too but also like you get into that culture like if you ever get into a new podcast the first episode you listen to oftentimes you're just like i really don't know what the heck is going on what are these people talking about what are they doing what's the dynamic between the hosts like who are they yeah 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 and then as you keep listening you're like oh i'm getting it this is like a podcast is is more of a marathon than it's a sprint i find most of the time like the ones that you stick to and the ones that you listen to like year over year over year are usually the ones where you like the hosts totally. and you feel like a connection to the product. And in the end, that's kind of what we're going for. And we haven't even been doing this for a year. I know it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is bizarre. And uh, like, we just don't see ourselves stopping. And that's kind of the long game is trying to bring in people who aren't just ska fans and bring them into the fold because we're trying to expand the community as much as possible. Well, and you have the advantage too, I think, of there there being so much recorded history of ska that you're not going to run out of bands anytime soon to cover. And I mean, there's there's so much. I mean, even if you just focused only on Third Wave, for example, there'd be hundreds of bands you could do. You could have years of content there. Not to mention all the other, you know, the the, the two tone stuff and the the first wave and the, you know, the, this new tone uh, era that's happening now. It's endless. It's yeah. We did a Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra, which is this Japanese yeah. ska band. I think they have 28 albums. We are lucky if we get through three in one episode. Yeah. So, like, the recorded history of them alone is, like, staggering to think about. Like, and we release bi-weekly banded episodes. Um, and, like, sometimes, we, since we leave it up to the band, like, they'll, they'll throw a curveball at us. Like, somebody asked for the techniques okay. one time, like, Backyard Superheroes. That episode was fun because... I had never heard the techniques before. That, that stuff's was so good. Oh, I classic, love that shit. Yeah. Classic Jamaican ska band that just missed my radar. And their history is wild. And like that's those kind of moments where you're just like, oh, that's a that's a thing that happened in, in history? Like, why aren't we always talking about this? This is actually like, you know, like a gangster movie, the way this all unfolds. And, and, and that kind of like surprise and delight is great. Um well, yeah, it's the cool yeah. thing with that episode, just to interrupt, is is that I I love the techniques. I, I I love Slim Smith's solo stuff too. I have a bunch of records, and so when I when I saw that you were doing that, I, I didn't know the guest though. So this is kind of a it's like a double way to introduce people. You can get people who are into the old shit like me to be introduced to these newer artists, and and vice versa, right? You can get younger people who haven't done that 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 deep dive into Jamaican stuff to be introduced to it because they like the newer artist and they want to hear what they have to say about someone that influenced them. So it's, you got both sides kind of working together on this. 
And that was what was fun about that episode. So the Backyard Superheroes were the guests, and they're definitely a, like a nerdcore ska punk band. Like yeah. They just like drop like comic book references in their songs, and their whole ethos is about having the best time of, of their lives all the time. And um, But they, they wanted to talk about a, a rock steady band, like, somewhat, like a really chill, groovy. Yeah. And it's like, you can't you wouldn't know that that's like one of their favorite bands just by listening to them. And I think that's also cool. It's like, there's so much three dimensional artistry to it. And when we think about how we bring on guests, it's always this, like we think about it as new meets classic. Like we're going to bring you on so you can talk about something classic, but you can then promote yourself. So we're bridging, we're bridging the gap. Like long-term that's kind of the idea is let's bridge the gap. It's all part of a continuum. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I have to make this somehow about Winnipeg, otherwise I feel like yeah. I'm not um, accomplishing my mandate as a podcast. Um, <laughs> what is, I mean, I know we've talked briefly at the beginning about some Winnipeg bands. Uh, we, we obviously did that whole show on your podcast about JFK and the Conspirators. You mentioned Whole Lot of Milka, some of the Bacteria Buffet bands. What was your perception out there of Winnipeg ska scene when you were younger, when this stuff was happening? Did you have like kind of a, a feel about what Winnipeg was all about or what Winnipeg's sound might have been? Yeah, that's interesting. So, um, oh, I got a couple of thoughts about that. Sure. So I first thought was, why don't we have that here? Um, like, I just was like jealous yeah. because, you know, we had the Mad Bomber Society and at that time would have been the Utopian Skank were kind of. And then King Muscafa is a band from Edmonton that's rad. Okay. But they have a residency at a blues bar uh, here called Blues on White the, or the commercial, whatever you want to call it. It's a very famous place on on our kind of older district in Strathcona. Um, so those are like the three and considering that there was a record store that was owned by one of the bands, I was like, how come we can't foster a group like a, a scene like that, yeah. like that, that they have in, in Winnipeg? Like we're a similar type of town, like it's Prairie Town, right? Not to quote the Royal Winnipeg Porn Orchestra, but it's Prairie Town. Well, they were quoting, and- uh, they were quoting Randy Bachman there too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> fair enough. But no, yeah, I but know like, what you mean. Edmonton and Winnipeg yeah. definitely seem like they have some similarities. Like, I mean, in terms of just, just like size and, and weather and, and location yeah. in the world and stuff, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I, uh, and then I try to start a band and then I realize, oh, it's impossible. That's why we don't have a band. <laughs> it's really hard. I had to draw, I did take a bus for an hour to get to my drummer's house. I was yeah. Like, yeah. And then it didn't work out. Like, no, no surprise. That's not a really feasible way to keep a band together. Um, and uh, it, it just became this thing where I was like, man, I'm jealous. Um, so at the time, like, because you can feel like whole lot of milk is like influence in, in the Winnipeg scene going forward, especially at that time. For sure. Um, and it was that kind of there's definitely the Canadian ska sound, which is really rooted in two tone. But there's that like quirkiness to it that was very uniquely it felt very uniquely prairie very uniquely winnipeg okay um which was kind of similar to mu330 in the u.s has a very similar aesthetic like this like oh we're you can't really you don't know how to predict what we're gonna do right right? we're gonna do something weird and they reference mu330 in one of their songs they do that's right yeah and uh, um and so you can feel that when you get to like i was i mentioned a couple like at the afterbeat and barrymore's are the ones that i always think of um but then that takes an interesting turn towards the latter half of the 2000s when it became all about dub and dance hall. And I think like the best example of that would have been like probably, well, maybe JFK's mashup the dance was a big influence on that. 
And then like the subsidy dwellers yeah. were like kind of crushing at that time. And I don't believe they were on Bacteria Buffet, but they were like everywhere. Like I saw them in Edmonton at least twice. They played a lot. They, they did a they lot of touring. They toured like yeah. crazy. Yeah. And they're like, there's a band called Jaya the Cat that is maybe the most similar band, I think, to them, uh, which is this very dubby, but hard edged. Like it's slow and heavy and sky and yeah. dubby. Like, like it's just, it takes all those Jamaican um, influences and takes the fun out of it <laughs> in a way and just makes it a little bit like angrier and harder. And I think that's what people like really drove to to them and you can kind of feel that more like tougher reggae yeah. um kind of vibe and um like when and i the best like goalposts i have for that is pig city skank 2 yeah. compilation yeah, yeah yeah which i which i had it's and a great i love compilation. um and then pig city skank 3 <laughs> which is like the opposite like totally. you get to the Pig City Skank 2 with a, it's got like, even on the cover, it's got like a rude boy eating a sandwich. With the like, golden oh, boy in the background. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is gonna be fun. Then you go to Pig City Skank 3 and it's got the real like toned down cover and there's like at least two dub tracks on there and yeah. you're like, all right, so this is the goofy and then the serious. The goofy and then the serious. I'm doing things with my hands. I realize it's, it's okay. not a It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I think you're, 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 um, articulating it enough, enough, uh, vocally that, that people can understand. <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, I think one of the things that the reason that Subsidy, I'm glad we're talking about them because they're a great band. Um, one of the reasons they kind of were so successful is because they weren't necessarily just a ska band. And that was in the period when ska was sort of becoming a bad word. They definitely had some straight up mm. ska songs, but they had a lot of reggae. They basically were like the clash in Sandinista era where it was just all over the place. Like there was, you know, blues stuff. There was, there was heavy punk stuff. There was dub, there was ska, there was like new Orleans kind of jazz things going on. And I think that that's why they, they succeeded because they, they're all guys from previous Winnipeg ska bands for the most part. And, and yet they took that and just made it into something that was a, a lot more accessible. I think, um, at a time when ska was being sort of poo pooed by the, you know, most people. <laughs> yeah. And like the thing with, Canadian ska too is, um, I, it's it's hard to like figure out what happened in 2010 that kind of made it stop. It felt like it just like stalled out, and there was only a handful of bands still doing it. Like even Los Furios and Victoria kind of stopped. The Planet Smashers were super irregular. The yeah. Kingpins were long gone. Chris Murray was in the U.S. Right, well, like, he's been there for decades just, now. Right, like yeah, 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 right. Like he left in the 90s to do his. That's why they call him Venice Shoreline. Venice Shoreline, Chris, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which it should be Toronto, Chris. <laughs> Those records are still <laughs> good, though. Even though. I mean, he's, even though he's in the States, he's still making good stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. King, uh, yeah, yeah. Everything, he, all the four-track stuff he does great. is fantastic. And then also King Apparatus is great. Like, course, I just, yeah. that guy's a genius. Yeah. And so, I don't know. And then Stomps kind of sporadically releases some Ska stuff now, like a little bit more recently. But they were, like, really heavy into, like, Psychobilly and... Yeah. Um, and like garage rock, like which that is was weirdly like, the same thing that happened yeah. with Hellcat, which was releasing yeah. tons of great ska, and then all of a sudden Psycho Billy comes in and they're putting out all these bands, and then oh. a thousand bands that sound exactly like Rancid. Like, well, yeah, I would like, I mean, if Tiger Army one probably is like sold so many freaking albums for for Tim, yeah, like I'm I'm reading that sellout book too. I don't oh, know yeah, that yeah, Dan cool, Ozzy cool. book. Have, yeah. I don't know if you've read that. I haven't read it yet. No, I to. I know you you kind of were t talking about Hellcat uh, a bit today, but there's a bit in there when they're talking about the Distillers. And 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 Brody's time with Tim on Hellcat, and it's an, an amazing story. And I, I recommend everybody read that book 
they're at all interested in punk rock and like how bands move from being indie to mainstream. Yeah. Because there's a lot of different stories in there. But that in particular, that story really like stuck out. I know that's tangential. We're kind no, of it's cool. Topic, it's cool. But... It's cool. Yeah. Um, so for people who want to check out your show, what's the best way to find you? I know you're you're pretty active online um, on social media. Where would you send someone who wants to check it out? We're we're everywhere you can get podcasts. So just hop on your favorite podcast app. You know, Apple, Spotify. What we use Pocket Cast a lot. And I, uh, so and just search Checkered Past the Scodcast. Um, yeah, or on Twitter, Checkered Past pod uh and on instagram at checker pass pod uh, but listening to the show is like the best thing you can do for us like i i just want people to check us out and see what they what they like like listen to sam's episode it's a good place to start it is we also did uh <laughs> we also did like a, a best of episode from last year that, that was cool was yeah. super fun that it's super long i get it like that's a big time commitment but it really gives you a good cross-section of what we're all about and um yeah we also have oh so we have a website that's out but kind of like in, a, in an alpha stage checkeredpass.ca cool and don't confuse us with another podcast also called checkered pass that's about dc comics from the 60s <laughs> you will be disappointed in how few ska bands they talk about i think you need to do a crossover episode i am waiting for it i'm also waiting for a cease and desist letter <laughs> <laughs> right one on. of the two things is going to happen 